0: Love
1: Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this.
2: Oh, and welcome
3: to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Today it is Friday, May 24, 2013 and we are so pleased to have Thomas and myself and Melissa is on the way for this week's broadcast of Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Welcome. What do you have for us Thomas?
4: Well, what do I usually start with? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father In the mighty name of your Son Jesus Christ We give you glory, honor, and praise Lord we thank you for another opportunity To host Pro-Life Friday's radio And Lord we just pray For The opportunity To Make a difference To To Influence people. Now, Father, I acknowledge you ahead of time that my message, my monologue probably will not be too well received, but I'm going to be obedient to you. And I pray that the message will penetrate Pass the spirit of offense and get right to the heart of the matter. Lord, I give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ.
5: Amen.
3: Amen. Wow, there has been a lot that has gone on um, And for So much of our focus of our show We spend A lot of time Fleshing out How to think about Abortion In terms of how to Think about it In terms of policy How to reply to people Who raise uh Supposedly the need for abortion And however many arguments they have To support abortion Or abortion rights As they like to say it a lot Uh, But there is a problem In the pro-life community That I personally don't like to talk about And it's not because I want to avoid it Because I want to pretend it doesn't exist I don't like to talk about it because it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what the problem is there are probably myriad problems that for whatever reason be it personal, professional or ideological that plague all the multitude of pro-life groups that exist just in America alone that prevent the pro-life community as a whole from being a united front against abortion, legalized abortion in this country. And so Thomas is kind of going to take on that topic today and kind of flesh out his thoughts I wanna say uh, before you begin, I'm a little frightened by what you're going to say. I'm a little nervous
4: <laughs> because okay, that's fine.
3: <laughs> I'm a little nervous because I'm I'm not afraid of stepping on people's toes. I just wanna step on the right toes. Do you do you get what I'm saying?
4: I Totally understand what you're saying, but here's the thing: when there is something that is wrong, it in, it affects the entire movement, not just one. And to those who aren't a part of it, you have to be willing to be examples to those who are messing up. Now, I'm going to get right to the crux of the matter, and that is this. You have within the pro-life movement many, 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 pro-life organizations. You have millions of people who claim to be pro-life. You have many people who do many things in the pro-life movement. But I'm going to tell you something point blank. The pro-life movement is like the body of Christ. Divided. We're in competition. Last time I looked, I didn't know saving a baby was a race. We compete for dollars, we compete against each other
6: for
4: the little donor dollars that exist wherever they do exist. And I'm angry. And I'm going to tell you why I'm angry. Because another thing that we in pro-life, and the pro-life movement tend to be, we tend to lean towards being selfish. We have a problem with working together. And I'll just be brutally honest with you. The Lord moved on my heart and my organization over a year ago to, to work on an event. An event to bring unity to the pro-life movement. An event to, uh, bring, bring together a diverse network of speakers to come up with real solutions. We got, you know, we got a phenomenal group of people. But when it came down to fundraising, we reached out to many, many places. Many, many, many places. Many organizations, most of which we didn't get a reply or a call back. Never mind the fact that, you know, our organization is a legally recognized tax-exempt organization. Therefore, all those who gave, even those who we ended up refunding their, their contributions because of the fact that the conference is going to be cancelled and that's my announcement. They still get a tax receipt for their donation. Why? Because they because they saw enough of my of the vision to believe in us. And then you have prominent pro-life speakers fashion other pro-life speakers folks we really need to grow up because let me let me tell you something also a survivor of an attempted forced to abortion. Fortunately, my mom had the legal recourse back then in the hospital when she said no, it meant no, they could not coerce her. But there were other things that were done to me and I won't get into it because it's irrelevant. But I will put I will put it to you like this. Unlike a lot of people who are in the pro-life movement as a career, this isn't a career to me. There were things done to me at my birth that I will never know because they destroyed my birth record. I have a gap of my history missing. What does this have to do with the pro-life movement? Because I'm one of those individuals, as is Letitia, as is Melissa, as is a lot of the people who I associate myself with, who genuinely care because we care. And I'm sure out there some suspect, oh, or some may have the thought running through their head, oh, they're a new organization. They're, they're just trying to do this for money. Folks, if you were have tough time to really get to know me, you would know what this is about. I can't have children also because of what was done to me. I had to give up I would my, dispute any, my work. I don't mean to break
3: in here but I would dispute anybody saying that a new organization is only in it for the money quote unquote because uh that's kind of laughable to me because if anything and I could say this in generality any new organization that forms on the basis of charity work as a 501c3 as a, a group that relies solely on the donations of others, you're not in it for the money. You're in it for the cause. It's those that have been around for 20, 25 years plus who have developed a loyal following, who count on the dollars that are coming in, who who take almost take it for granted because they have a loyal base that are able to hire lawyers. They're able to do a lot of things with the money, and they're they've got. You know, larger budgets to work with. They're the ones that are taking for granted the money that they have, and they are, they're more likely to be in it for the money as a self-perpetuating organization than one who's just starting up. But anyway, that exactly that's what I wanted to go ahead. It is, <laughs> go
4: ahead. That's a very good point. That is a thank you for saying that. That's a very good point. Folks, I will tell you this, just to let you know what I'm about. My book, when it is written, which it is going to be out in probably about four or five months, 50% of all the proceeds from my book. Will go to my organization. Not only will it go to my organization, but it's also going. To, it's going to go to those organizations who are making a difference, who are fighting the fight of faith, who are who are struggling just like we are. My ministry, folks has been around for five years. And you know how much money that I've actually raised through my ministry, including including with what we raised for the conference folks, has been less than $3,000 in five years. And if I was in it for the money, I would have been, reaching out and saying, hey, because I do have a radio show on Sunday. And the reason why I'm able to do that is because of a blessing from a very dear friend, and I won't mention their name because they're close by, and I'll just leave it at that. Mm
3: -hmm. All right, let's get back to what you were saying. Sorry for distracting you.
4: No, you're you're fine, Leticia. It's fine. You did not distract me. But folks, what it boils down to this. We're competing for dollars and we need to ask ourselves the question. Why are we why are we in the pro-life movement? Do we think that because we might write a $100,000 check does that Does that mean we're doing something more than the next person? I probably will never be able to write a $100,000 check, but I can give $20 a month to a crisis pregnancy center, which that's what I do. But yet we thumb our nose up at, at, each other, and if we disagree with someone over something, we trash a person's reputation, we tear them down, we get them blacklisted. That's garbage. And now because something that I know in my heart, the Lord put on my heart to do, I have to cancel it, because we couldn't even get very few callbacks, at least to have enough respect to say, you know, no, we can't do this because we got stuff going on. But rather than that, we got we didn't get no callbacks, or we didn't get no help help because we are a non-Catholic organization, which that's fine if you want to direct it towards directed towards, you know, your faith, that's fine. But I will I will remember, I will point something out that warmed my heart from last year. I remember a lot of Protestants standing with the Catholic Church in their dispute against the Obama administration in the health care mandate. And I'll just leave it at that. What it boils down to is this, and this is the end of my monologue, is that until we can truly make this about babies and not about, okay, protecting our dollars that we have coming in, we'll never defeat the abortion Industry, because we are too divided. Luke eleven seventeen says that a kingdom divided against itself falls into desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. That's my monologue. Patricia, take it away.
3: Well, it's true that um, that the pro life community can be much more unified. If we look across to the opposite side, the, the community of pro-deaf persons, almost all, all of them unanimously agree that pro that abortion should be legal in this country. If you look at their voting patterns, you look at their their method of support, you look at what they do. They have just as many people who disagree about things and have personality disputes refusal to support each other's organizations and whatnot. That happens, too. I think it's human nature. But what they don't do is when it comes time to push a narrative, they all push together. They don't disagree on things out in public uh, because as much as a lot of people on the left, like to talk about how diverse things are and how they love diversity, they really don't. They really don't like diversity at all, diversity of opinion or diversity of background. They only want one narrative to be pushed on the American public. And I'm not saying we need to act like that as pro-life people, but I am saying is we need to put the priority Make the priority the priority. And I understand where people, because this is a matter of faith, not just a matter of life. People want to put the faith first. I don't disagree with that. What I do disagree with is the manner in which you put the faith first negatively impacting the goal. It's supposed to enhance the goal, right, which is to... Make the country understand that we are actually killing human beings When we're talking about abortion And such killing, murder Should not be legal We let that Interfere with that goal And if that's the case Then your faith is an obstacle Talking about your faith in a way that makes it an obstacle Is not helping And I know I'm talking in generalities because I don't want to name names at this point, and I don't want to talk about specifics at this point. But those are just—that is just one thing that I—that was weighing heavily on my heart this week, as much as uh, the the accusations on an organizational level was weighing heavily on Thomas's heart. And I don't think you've I don't think you stepped on anybody's toes. I was waiting for something a little more severe coming from you, but I don't think I heard that.
4: <laughs> you just didn't realize you heard it, but I step—I did step on toes. It's just that, um, you know, I did it in a way that respected people. I stepped on toes. All and, right. And here's the other thing. Leticia, let me say this. Let me say this, because I know exactly what you're saying when it comes when when you're talking about faith using the using our Christian faith negative to negatively impact the argument. So let me explain to you why that happens. Because as Christians, we cannot articulate beyond it's bad, why abortion, why we should, as Christians, most Christians cannot articulate why they should be opposed to abortion. As sad as that is, now I'm going to step on a few toes. Because of the fact that when you make the comment, as a Christian, I'm personally pro- pro-life, but I don't think it's my right to tell someone, a woman, what to do with their own body. You just negate it. You just negated everything. Jesus would not say that. And, folks, let's make it clear so that you don't miss this. The reason why, as believers, we should be pro-life is because life is the very foundation of God himself, Period. Genesis chapter I believe it's chapter 3 chapter 2 or chapter 3 where he said where it says and I paraphrase the scripture that God formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed life into him so that's it right there. Also, Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verse nineteen, that we open our show up with. That's what it's about. Not because oh, abortion is sin. Yes, we know it's sin. We know it's sin. But here's the little secret: Jesus also died for that sin. So instead of we as pro-lifers also sometimes beating people up for that sin, we have to. If you want to go after someone. Go after the snake. The snake being Planned Parenthood, the most inherently evil organization since Hitler himself. And they're not alone. Planned Parenthood has killed more
7: people than Hitler.
3: Right. Well, it's not just Planned Parenthood. It is uh, all. It is all the other organizations that support what Planned Parenthood does. We have the National yes. Abortion Federation. We have Naral Pro-Choice America. We have the um, what is that called? The something choice something choice America. I I can't remember their exact name. Uh, we have several pro-abortion organizations that cannot right. claim they cannot claim ignorance when the history of eugenics the history of slavery in this country is so pronounced in the pro-abortion movement. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, why Roe v. Wade came to the Supreme Court and it had nothing to do with an individual woman. Don't forget why Doe v. Bolton went to the Supreme Court, and it had nothing to do with the individual woman involved. Neither of those cases had anything to do with the individuals involved. It had everything to do with putting in motion an agenda of legalized murder, legalized death, pro-death agenda. Right. And it's not it's not people, it's not individuals that we criticize for, you know, for being who they are. We are criticizing what they believe if they are pushing abortion and they are pushing an ideology that is inherently evil because it is so deadly, cruel, and inhumane.
4: Right. Right. So I
3: wanted to clarify that.
0: <laughs> right, uh, we're exactly. going to take
3: we're going to take a short break for a moment. Uh then we'll be back. Hopefully we'll have our guest on, but if not, we have plenty to talk about. So hang in there. We li- you are listening to Pro Life Fridays Radio on Block Talk Radio.
8: had a whole plan that sold abortions, and it was called sex education. Break down their natural modesty, separate them from their parents and their values, and become the sex expert in their life. so they turned to us when we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on or a defective condom.
2: Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. multitudes of
7: people that have been hurt by abortion. It's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women.
6: It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion.
1: They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40,
6: 55 years. They're so traumatized. Silence.
4: U.S. Senate report states that Physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings.
9: Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine.
3: There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? Well, you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy
8: a life in an effort to fight that fight?
3: Fighting so hard to save myself that I'll kill someone else to get that.
8: I recognized I'd been involved in the death of 35,000 babies.
4: And the truth has really come out about what abortion does to women, let alone the unborn
8: baby, our dead babies. It will be
0: over.
3: Letitia, on Pro-Life Fridays Radio, we are back, Uh, we are waiting for our guest, hopefully he will call soon, if not, I will try to reach him myself, but we were going to talk about a few other things, too, while we were waiting, and one is the, you know, I'm just going to decide to kick this around and see what Uh, People like to think about that. If you are listening, the number to call in is 760-542-3907 to join us on air on the Pro-Life Radio Show. Something that came up um, that somebody invited me to talk about, uh, which is something that going along within the theme of what's happening within the pro-life movement, is the controversy of whether or not people ought to be showing graphic abortion photos uh, in public and this includes the sidewalk displays that i guess pro-life people are kind of uh, infamous or famous however you'd like to take that for as well as the large discussion style formats uh, that are found on college campuses like from justice for all the Genesis aware, a genocide awareness product. A product uh, can't speak today. The genocide awareness project, as you know, as well as abolish human abortions. Photos that they, when they stand outside in front of churches, even, um, and there is a brewing controversy over whether or not. Photos of actual aborted babies Should be shown in public Some say That Such displays Don't help They're too graphic for children They are um, Inflammatory They don't help the dialogue It actually Turns people away from Being sympathetic to the pro-life Message And it's somehow dishonors those who have died in abortion. On the other hand, we have a lot of people who have been in the pro-life movement for a long time who say until America sees abortion, America will never reject abortion. Now, I have strong feelings about that. If you'd like to call in and and voice your opinion, please call. The number to call is 760-542-3907. I'll let you go first, Thomas, and talk about what you think about that.
4: That's simple to me. If America can celebrate people living what you call an alternative lifestyle, for instance, June 1st is National Gay Day at Walt Disney World, where you're going to have full-grown men and maybe other, you know, and other people dressed from head to toe in like, peak penny holes celebrating diversity. If America can handle that, surely... They can also handle the graphic truth of what happens to a baby. Why is it that we wanna we want a feign offense at the truth, but then we quote in in um, in the name of diversity celebrating something that has the potential to totally mess our children up in the head. And before you call me intolerant and whatever it is you want to call me, if a person chooses to live the homosexual lifestyle, that's your choice, what you choose to do. But like like, by law, heterosexuals,
2: you cannot act
4: lewd in public. You don't have any right to do the same thing. So just mixing this up in one great big old nutshell, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's all I have to say today. The
0: teacher,
4: Melissa.
2: Go ahead, Thomas.
4: Okay.
2: Oh, Melissa, were you
4: going
2: to? Oh no, I'm gonna. I'll jump in. You guys keep going. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, um, taking my breath.
0: <laughs>
3: okay. Well, we we kind of plopped you in right in the middle of a question. Um, I'll I'll just you know say something quick because our guest is online and I want to bring him on as soon as I can. Yes. Okay. Thomas? Go ahead.
4: Take the exception.
3: Oh, okay. Um, well I, I kind of agree with Father Frank Pavone at this point. Unless America sees abortion, America will not reject abortion. And very quickly, I'll ask a couple of good I'll ask a couple of questions that I thought uh, were particularly important to the discussion is mean, did the did the world need to see the photos of the the Nazi concentration camps? After World War Two, did they need to yes. see those? Yes. Absolutely. We did did yeah. they need to see? Did they need to see the mass graves? Yes.
4: Absolutely.
3: And the last mm-hmm. one is: Did America need to see the open casket photos of Emmett Till? Mm. Yes.
4: yes. Absolutely. Ouch! Mm-hmm. Ouch!
3: There is, without question, a need. To see, because without the eyes, we don't have the knowledge. It is so much, it's so easy to place abortion behind a wall that we can start, we can use euphemisms for. It's, you know, without seeing what it really is, abortion is a cleaned up, euphemized procedure that is disguised as medicine. And I don't mm-hmm. think people understand what it is until they see what it is. Right. Uh, it, it is that eighteen well, inches between the head and the heart. hmm
2: Right. Right. You know, and so uh, it was actually graphic images of abort of aborted babies that really propelled me into the pro-life movement. Um, because I myself, even as a Bible-believing Christian. Um, really, did not have any concern when it came to abortion, but when I um, on the Abort 73 page, I forced myself to watch. Um, it's like a two-minute video. I, I encourage all to watch it, and um, I was I could not sleep for two days. And wow. the third day, I went to the abortion clinic, and I because I God had just gripped my heart and convicted me. So, um, so it's very powerful. Once you see images, you cannot unsee them. They're in your mind. Right. And so it's very important right. that we do come face-to-face with the reality of what abortion really is. Right.
3: We're going hey, to continue this, on, this, the other, this is, on the other side of our interview.
4: Hey, hey. Yes, LaTisha, before you do, before you do, um, <laughs> before you do, <laughs> yes. two things and then I'll have you introduce our guest. Um, I'll take it even one step further. I have actually watched. On the Discovery Channel, because I don't know if you guys knew this, but back in the day, they actually used to show abortion procedures on television. I Wow! One. I saw the DNC procedure, or the where they the the where they suction. I saw that. I was stunned. Having said that, we'll continue this on the other side, but let me set up the introduction for Letitia. As many of you have been paying attention, has been listening, the IRS targeted people. Now, I'm going to say this, never mind my dialogue that I, you know, I spoke from my heart. But when it comes down to the pro life movement i don't I can't speak for anyone else, but if you say you're pro life and until otherwise, we have your back, therefore, this is the reason why we have our next our two guests tonight because we want to show our support, and we will do everything that we can to uh to bring awareness to really what's going on and I thank God, we all thank God for this courageous United States representative from Iowa. Letitia, we
2: introduce our guest.
3: Yes. Well Congressman Aaron Shock is from Illinois, but Illinois. we are we are glad to be listening okay. to us. Uh, to our other guests from Iowa later on in the show. Uh, welcome to the show, Congressman.
7: Thank you, Leticia. It's great to be with you, and thanks for uh, all your radio network does to help promote the, the pro-life cause. Thank you
3: so much. Uh, well, we wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, the issue of the IRS targeting of pro-life groups. Now, I understand that more than just there there have been a litany of groups, that have been targeted. There have been individuals who have been targeted by the indi- by the IRS for, I That's guess, right. a selective harassment. And I want so let's, you, I wanted you to tell us exactly what you know about what's happening here and how you came to know about it.
7: Sure. Well, um, first of all, uh, let's back up and talk about what we we know uh, that the White House um, and the IRS have admitted to doing. They came forward uh after 2 years of congress repeatedly uh coming forward with groups that had been uh, that had felt that they were wrongfully discriminated against by the IRS that were applying for 501c3 charitable status or 501c4 uh public advocacy uh tax status and we had been bringing this information to the IRS uh repeatedly on a quarter quarterly basis uh, I serve on the ways and means committee the oversight uh, subcommittee which oversees the IRS agency. And so uh, Director Shulman, who runs the IRS, or had been, um, came forward to us every quarter and said, trust us, nothing's happening. We've looked into us, nothing's occurring. Uh, and then only to find out two years later, uh, they planted a question at an American Bar Association. The IRS actually planted the question in the audience to be asked of the IRS commissioner, are you discriminating, are you... Uh, uh, pulling out uh, different uh, groups for extra scrutiny, uh, and the IRS commissioner said, yes, in fact, uh, we are. Now, this is after two oh, years no. of telling Congress they had not. So what did they admit to doing? Well, they said that they had pulled out and targeted 300 conservative groups, all of whom had Tea Party uh, 912 or or uh, Patriot in their name, that they were uh, only in the Cincinnati office region of the country and that this was a really select group uh, and they really felt sorry that they had done this. It was bad customer service, uh, but in the words of the Irish commissioner, they didn't think they had done anything wrong and certainly nothing illegal. Now, uh, come to find out, uh, as, as you watched the, the hearing where um, I presented some evidence to the contrary, Working with the Thomas More Society, based here in Chicago, uh, who uh, does a lot of work for um, uh, conservative causes, but, but chief among them are uh, the pro-life movement uh, for groups that have been uh, discriminated against or need need legal assistance. Thomas Moore Society provided 150 pages of documents of, of evidence of groups all over the country that had been that had been singled out and targeted been asked not only inappropriate but illegal questions when it came to them applying for uh, just simply a charitable 501c3 status. One of those questions that was asked of the uh, a pro-life group in Iowa specifically was, please detail to us the content of your members' prayers. Now, I'm not sure I can think of a, right. a more inappropriate question uh, that flies in the face of the, 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 the uh, uh, First Amendment to the Constitution, uh, um, your 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 and and so some of this stuff is so bad you couldn't even make it up they went on and asked another pro life group in california please give us samples of signs that you might use in protesting a planned parenthood facility right now one one of your rights to uh the free speech and and the right to protest uh should not matter what your position is on the life issue and certainly uh organizations that were pro choice uh and specifically planned parenthood Uh, itself, their application for 5013C and their 501C4 applications, uh, which are their issue advocacy, they were approved in three months, and the pro-life groups have been waiting over three years uh, for approval of their application. So clearly discriminatory and clearly a bias uh, on the issue of life within the IRS, which is very troubling.
2: Right,
3: right. I I even heard of an example. Of a uh, of not pro life related, but another another gentleman who had applied for a five hundred one c three tax exempt status for a kind of a media watchdog group, and he had not heard he had not been approved yet. And then he went ahead and I guess he tested the system and entered a name in for some kind of environmentally friendly group, green something or other. And he was approved Green within solutions. three weeks. Green Solutions, that's right. Greenhouse Solutions. And he yep. was approved within three weeks. And and at the time, his other organization, which he was really trying to establish status for, was still waiting. And he was getting the runaround. Uh, he was being passed from agent to agent, being told many things, but not being told that he was approved. <laughs>
7: that's correct um, that that is a that is a true situation i'm very well aware of it and uh all of this evidence is stacking up to show a, a a very liberal bias within the irs to put their time energy money uh and agents focused specifically squarely on uh conservative causes uh and then at the same time uh in a very swift and rubber stamp style approving any group that's got uh you know greenhouse uh uh solutions or uh you know planned parenthood in their name they they got uh the fast track which is just you know this is the kind of thing you read about in totalitarian regimes not in the right. greatest democracy on earth and it's why uh everybody in America should be outraged and and uh remain vigilant in fighting this and holding people accountable.
3: Sure. Now that this has been exposed, what can we expect to happen?
7: Well, the amazing thing is um, we have an initial inspector general report. The inspector general uh, are independent attorneys that are auditors that go in, and they're really the ones that confirm that these first 300 conservative groups have been targeted. Um, But even within their preliminary report, they couldn't tell us these were the names of the employees responsible for it, um, who were their supervisors, what did they know, why was this being covered up for over two years. So, This was really the first of many hearings, the first of what will be a much longer investigation to come. But what's really disappointing, I think, is that the president has really missed an opportunity to lean into this and say, you know what, I may not agree with uh, the pro-life movement, which we know he doesn't, but I believe this activity is wrong. It's illegal for us to discriminate against people regardless of their beliefs, and I'm going to hold the staff accountable. But instead, what he's done is he simply uh, asked for the acting director, Mr. Miller, who was planning to retire anyways, to leave a little early, and he's looked at the American people and said, the mess is over, let's get on with the show. When in reality, this is a cancer within the IRS, there are employees at all levels who were a part of this in a very systematic way, and we got to root them out, and they need to be not only relieved for their duty, but in some cases prosecuted and there'll probably be some jail time. You can't uh discriminate when it comes to the enforcement of the tax code. If, you, if any of your listeners have ever been audited by the IRS, uh they don't show up and ask when they can schedule an appointment. Uh they knock on your door uh with a badge uh and they storm in and they demand a, 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 you know, you show them your your tax documents. And you have to prove yourself innocent. And by God, if you've messed anything up and you've made any mistakes, you pay a penalty. And if you've done anything on purpose, uh, it's a white-collar crime and you go to jail. Uh, now you have the the roles reversed where the IRS clearly is breaking their own laws, breaking the laws that Congress has passed, discriminating against uh, the enforcement of those laws and how they apply those laws. I don't think it's 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 unreasonable for us to expect the same level of justice Uh, to be meted out with them as they would expect of the American people uh, that they are holding accountable to the tax code.
3: Can we expect this type of treatment to continue even though uh, this activity, this bias has been discovered? I mean, we're talking about the IRS has multiple offices, multiple, I mean, it's a very large bureaucracy. How well, I mean, he, as I'm sitting here, do I need to be nervous that one of these days I'm going to be singled out because I host a radio program <laughs> that is opposed sure. to the ideological so certain ideologies of our sitting president?
7: Well, I I think that the point here is um, uh, this is something that is uh, you know coming from Illinois, uh, it's reminiscent of a very Chicago style uh, thuggery, and so. What we have to make sure is that this doesn't become pervasive through uh, all levels of the IRS. Right now, we know the Pacific Coast region and the Cincinnati region for sure. There may be others. Uh, but we want to get to the bottom of this, not just to hold them accountable, but it was kind of like when you were growing up uh, and somebody broke the window. Uh, Mom wanted to know who broke the window, not just for the punishment, so but so that nobody would break the window again. Uh, this isn't a case of spilt milk. This is a case of a broken window. And we need to find out who who you know, these low level staff didn't just wake up one day, go to the IRS office and say, you know what? I think I'm gonna start picking out conservative groups. You know what? I think I'm gonna choose uh nine twelve as my code words uh that I'm gonna use to, to decide which of these applications get passed out or pulled out and which ones are gonna get advanced. Somebody had to give that directive. Today we do not know who it was that gave that directive, but we need to hold them accountable so that the message goes out throughout the IRS that anybody who discriminates uh, against a particular group, regardless of their belief, will ultimately be held accountable. And the only way you can, you can make people believe that is if you actually do it.
3: I certainly hope so. Um, as I sit here and I think, you know, what, is, what does the future hold? Is this going to be the way things are from now on? I think that would make a lot of people nervous. Uh, and, and I certainly hope that um, you do that. The people who are responsible for now, I, I totally believe that it is not the agents that have been in contact with the uh, those that are being harassed. They are following orders, and they're complicit, of course. But uh, they cannot simply single people out without some kind of directive from above them. I totally understand how that works. Um, but I mean, does not does this whole situation not smack of the situation that we had with uh, the, our, fine, our, our federal finance uh, home mortgage, the Freddie and Fannie situation, where things were where we the American people was being lied to for years before the truth came out.
7: Well, um, I, I, I think uh, you know there were some different circumstances with the home mortgage in the sense that uh, you had the federal government telling uh, banks uh, that they would, you know, federally back right, mortgages right. based on people's credit ratings and all of this, and it, it caused some of the banks to act in different behavior than they normally would have under a free market. But, uh, you know, the point here is for two years with the IRS, the IRS misled the Congress And when the top brass realized they had misled Congress, when the top brass realized that what they had been telling us for two years was wrong, they didn't just come back and say, you know what, we screwed up. They didn't come back and say, hey, we need an appointment to set the record straight. They went out to an American Bar Association forum and tried to weasel their way out into honesty and try and get it out in the press as if nobody would actually pay attention. That's that's the right, kind of right. uh, duplicity that I think not only frustrates the Congress but also causes so much concern in the American people.
3: Yeah. So this this documentation, um, the Thomas More Society had said there was a, a packet of 150 page documents that they had personally sent to you. Um, how much? How deep does this go? How how many uh, groups are affected? in that, do- I mean, well, not just,
7: yeah, we believe, we we believe there are, hundred, we believe there are yeah, we, we, those are kind of, um, uh, you know, obviously we can't go through 150 pages today, but, uh, what right. I tried to do in my testimony at the hearing was highlight some of the more egregious cases, uh, to, to, to make the point that number one, pro-life groups were included. It wasn't just, a tea Party and 912 groups, but number two, it was in the Pacific Coast region, which is on the opposite side of the country, not just the Cincinnati office, which is what the White House was trying to claim, that this was just a uh, an isolated case in a rogue office in Cincinnati. So that was the point in raising those those uh, cases that I did. The, the Thomas More Report is, uh, is a public document uh, now because I submitted it to the uh, Uh, The record uh, at the committee hearing and so the inspector general will now be following up with all of the cases that are listed there. But since that time, you had everyone from the Billy Graham uh, uh, Foundation come forward and a whole host of other conservative groups that believe they've been discriminated against. And what I would say is to anyone in your listening audience that believes that their conservative group or because of their conservative activism, that they were wrongfully targeted by the IRS, that they should go to Uh, the House Ways and Means Committee website, uh, or the Government Oversight Committee website, both of which they can just Google or search for, Uh, and there's actually a web portal where you can put in your information uh, what kind of documentation or evidence you believe to suggest you were uh, wrongfully discriminated against, and the Oversight Committee of Ways and Means uh, and Daryl Issa, who runs the Government Oversight Committee, both of those will be investigating further claims that are brought forward, but Look, this is the, the Inspector General found 300 cases that were just nine, twelve, and Tea Party. We believe there are a couple hundred just pro-life groups that were targeted, and I'm sure there are scores more uh, yet to be identified. Um, but hopefully, at some point, the administration will wake up and realize they have far more to gain by being a part of fixing this than continuing to obstruct, which is what they've done at this point
3: wow. Uh I'm gonna ask our co my co host, Thomas and Melissa, do you either of you have a question for uh Representative Shock? And I think they fell
2: asleep. So <laughs> okay, I was gonna, riveting, riveting to
7: conversation, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm actually I had a question actually for the representative. Um in regard we we know of the um line of questioning that was uh posed to conservative groups, including pro-life groups? Do we know um, of any um, uh, questioning that was posed to liberal groups or pro-choice groups that were along the same lines um, that uh, many conservative groups were subjected to? Um, in term you know, for instance, um, the, uh, questioning uh, their the material that they uh, share with women who are abortion-minded, and uh, was this information, is there any information to um, confirm that um, any pro-choice groups um, were subjected to um, those types of pressures as well?
7: Excellent question, excellent point, Uh, and the answer is no. Uh, The inspector general actually said it was conservative groups only that were targeted. Mm -hmm. Now, the New York Times has has tried its best to suggest that, oh, here's a group over here or here's a group over there, Uh, and there might have been some isolated cases of liberal groups that took longer than usual, but none of them can point to the outrageous questioning that conservative groups faced, like what are the content of your members' prayers or
0: please give us
7: a copy of your literature that you're going to use at at, uh, demonstrations or at educational events. Uh, those are only the only groups come forward to show that kind of proof of discrimination okay. and inappropriate questioning our conservative groups. Wow. So let's thank God that we have a, a balance of power in our country and uh, okay. that we don't live in a totalitarian regime for now, and that we have to remain vigilant uh, to protect the democracy that we inherited from our, from our forefathers. And, um, you know, not only be able to uh, practice our beliefs and um, try and save as many lives as we can, but, oh, you know, it matters who who's in power. I mean, I remind people, right. look, the, the the House of Representatives is controlled by 15 seats out of 435 seats. And right. for people that wonder, gee, does my vote really matter? Does it really matter who gets elected? Uh, absolutely. That balance of power is what allows us to have these hearings mm-hmm get out to get to the bottom of it and to hold the administration uh and these bureaucrats accountable and so uh I, I would just implore your your listeners to remain uh prayerful for the country but also active uh in their advocacy because uh what they do absolutely makes a difference in the outcome of elections and what kind of country we
2: live in. Absolutely. I have a question. Oh okay Thomas Leticia,
3: hurry up please I
2: have a question Oh,
3: yes, I sir. was trying
4: to jump in Melissa beat me to
3: it. But um, my
4: question is, I saw a report that um, there may have been some in our GOP leadership who knew about the targeting of conservative groups last year. Do you know
7: anything about that? That there were GOP leadership? Yes. No, what what yeah, some, the White House again, this is this is an attempt. I know exactly what you're talking about. This is an attempt this is an attempt by the White House to try and justify of course you, you, you know the background on this. The, the, the White House said they didn't know anything about it. Now the White House right. said that the chief counsel knew about it. They're admitting that the chief of staff knew about it. They're just saying that the president didn't know about it. And and oh wow. And and, and so this is getting a little too close to the flame for comfort, I think. What they're they're claiming is that Daryl Issa, who runs the Government Oversight Committee, which is the investigatory arm of Congress, he was notified by the Inspector General, okay, that they were going to do an investigation of these claims. Now, these claims had been out there for two years. I was a part of the oversight subcommittee that was pushing the IRS to look into these claims. So. The fact that the Inspector General within the Treasury Department said, you know what, we think there's enough evidence here for us to launch an investigation, Daryl Issa, who is a Republican leader, he's the chairman of the committee, he was informed that they were going to start an investigation. He was never informed of the findings in advance. He was never told, hey, there's something to this. Uh, We've found 300 groups that have been discriminated against. Quite the contrary. He only knew what we knew as members of the committee, which is the administration continuing to deny it, the IRS continuing to deny it. He did not get the heads up that the White House got uh, about the findings and that in fact the IRS was guilty of what we in Congress have been accusing them of uh, for the past two years.
3: Wow, thank you so much for that clarification.
7: Well, thanks, that, guys. That, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you. And and uh, for those of you that, that want to stay on this issue, as I mentioned, we're going to be having more hearings in the coming weeks after the Memorial break holiday. And uh, they can certainly log on to my Facebook page or my, my website, and we'll keep them up to date. Yes,
3: thank we you certainly so will be following this. Thank you for coming on our program.
7: Thanks, guys. You have a great night. Schock, thanks for what you do.
3: Representative Aaron Schock, ladies and gentlemen. Thank All guys. right, thank you and um wow i am so glad you asked that question thomas uh because that that certainly cleared up a lot of things, and I think you know, I'll bet you if I had a hundred dollars to bet i <laughs> I bet you anything that this has been completely misrepresented in in the mainstream media,
4: so yeah you uh
3: when you pause <laughs> like that, it makes me think like you've, you've uh, dropped your phone or something.
4: Um oh, I believe – I needed my phone. <laughs> All
3: right. Oh. So um, let's take a very, very short break, and we will be back with our next guest, who was actually the subject of an IRS probe, and that's a nice way of saying it, an IRS harassment case. And we will be right back and talk to her. Sue Martinick from the Coalition for Life of Iowa. And if I pick the right song,
8: you get to hear it. Yes, I, I got to hear it.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. I do not join in the belief that the African is our equal in brain or in heart.
8: We are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at all.
9: The laws of nature require the obliteration of the unfit. The best way to hate a nigger
6: is to hate him before he is born.
4: American eugenicists were routinely praising Hitler and holding up the Nazi eugenics program as a model for the United States to copy
9: Non-white races must be excluded from America. The red and black races, if left to themselves, revert to a savage or semi-savage state in a short time. The only way possible of decreasing Negro population is by means of controlling fertility birth control facilities could be extended relatively more to Negroes than to whites, since Negroes are more concentrated in the lower income and education classes. We
5: hope that the restraint of population growth can come about through voluntary means. But if it does not, involuntary methods will be used. There should
8: be national sterilization for certain dysgenic types of our population who are being encouraged to breed and would die out for the government not feeding them.
9: If this movement continues, we soon may be accused of fighting poverty by eliminating the poor and overcoming hunger by removing the hungry. For all their failures, what the eugenics movement had accomplished was to lay the foundation for the next phase of their plan. And this is where they would find the success that they had been chasing for over 100 years.
3: And we are back with Pro-Life Fridays Radio with our host, Thomas, Melissa, and myself, Lickisha Wong. And we have on air with us today, we have Sue Martinek from the Coalition for for Life of Iowa, who was uh, spoken about by name by Congressman Aaron Schock in the congressional hearing for the IRS Harassment Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you.
8: Thanks for having me on today.
3: Wonderful. Um thank you for being here. I want to know uh just basically how you got here from from I guess when did this start for you? Two years ago?
8: Well actually our group Coalition for Life of Iowa was founded in two thousand and four. Okay. We have we have organized and sponsored educational forums. As we grew, we sought 501c3 tax exempt status. We, have, we submitted the Form 1023 to the IRS in October of 2008. And as a result of that, we got into discussions with them and um, we um, had some communications with our exempt organization specialist and the responses from her supervisor and supervisors, the IRS agent indicated what we could not do. In June of 2009, she said we needed to send in a letter with the entire board's signatures stating that under perjury of the law, we would not picket or protest or organize groups to picket or protest outside of Planned Parenthood. Upon receiving such a letter, the IRS would allow our application to go through. Oh wow. So as yeah. So this was a, so, this was in two
3: thousand nine, about the time when other groups started receiving, um, for lack of a better word, harassment. Um, In our show description, this was a very clear case of quid pro quo, which the IRS does not have a legal right or any right, even if it were legal, to ask of any individual group. So I were so did you receive this letter and did you share it with the other members of your group and what did they say?
0: Um
8: this was actually communicated on the telephone. <laughs> it was oh, a verbal oh, request.
3: Oh, that's
8: nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was a verbal request from your agent and oh, she nice. actually said that um <laughs> we uh our application was ready to go through. Everything was in order and as soon as they received that this letter, that everything would, um, you know, proceed then. So at that point, our board met and we um, discussed it. And there were some members that just um, were just not happy about it and they didn't want to accept it. You know, and I I myself am like, who fights the IRS, you know? Is there even a chance to win with the IRS? And so I was very hesitant myself, but there were some members on our board who were firm that, you know, we had a right to not sign that, and we should get our application. At that point, uh, it was suggested that we contact Thomas Moore Society. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the board were familiar with them and that they would represent us. And we were just a small group. We didn't have hardly any money. And so we did contact them, and they did take our case. At that point, right. they got us a great attorney who was um specialized in this area, Sally Wagonmaker. And um she took our case to the IRS and sent them a letter saying that, you know, the request was illegal and cited everything that she needed to for them. At that point the IRS backed down. And well, that's then good. in July- yeah, it was very good. In July of 2009, they did grant our 501c3 status. So we feel very fortunate that we were able to have the help that we get, and um, that they were able to go to bat for us at the IRS because I'm sure there's lots of other people that do not have help and that would either probably not get their five oh one C three status or they just would have to sign the paper.
0: Sign the wow. letter saying yes. that they would not would
8: so um I feel we feel very blessed and lucky to have have been able to do that and get our five O one C three.
3: Well that's great. Did you have did you have all this documented like the phone calls and uh and the, and the IRS agent that, by name, that had called you and told you this? Because
8: I think uh, that was yes. one
3: of the things that Representative Shock was saying, we need names.
8: Right. Well, our, my agent that I worked with, her name uh, was actually Ms. Richards. She never used her first name. But the directions that she gave us, I don't believe were coming from her. Because when we were talking on the phone, she would put me on hold and she would say, I need to check with my supervisor. And then she would she would be um, gone for a while. And then she would come back and she would tell me what they would have said. So these were not um, directions that were coming from her. And I don't, she never gave me her supervisor's name. Now, when uh, Sally Wagonmaker, the attorney, actually contacted the IRS, they they um, spoke with her with a different agent, so someone else.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: So um, there's there were more people. There there were more than just one person involved.
3: Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: oh, yes, definitely. Uh, so now that so I am glad to hear that your case was resolved, and that because. You had gotten uh, the Thomas More Society to to pressure the IRS as to the, the you know the, the total illegal nature of of their request to you, um, right? That they were able to put your your application forward. Is there any is there any doubt in your mind that you were singled out because you were a pro life organization?
8: Well, the um the request they made to us that we would not picket or protest outside of Planned Parenthood would only apply to uh, conservative pro-life groups. So in light of that, I would have to say, well, certainly, because that request could not have been made of any liberal uh, group that would not be doing that sort of action. Have you heard of
3: other... Because uh, there's this, co- there we have a coalition for life in St. Louis. We have there are many coalition for Life all across the country. Have you heard of any other groups that have received similar attention? Uh,
8: no, I really can't. I really can't answer that. I know okay. there, there are other uh, coalitions for life, but um, that's why we put of Iowa behind our name. But um, no, I, I can't really respond to that.
3: Okay. Okay, so um, have you had any ca- contact with um, congressmen such as Aaron Shock about your your experience?
8: I've not spoke with him. We did have a press release that went out on the 17th, so he may he probably he may have seen that. I don't know. That went out uh, you know nation- nationally, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, if I had
3: known that you had not spoken with him personally, I would have put you both on the air at the same time so you guys could meet on our show. <laughs> and, well, the thing is, I mean, I think and he's he's been doing justice, you know, justice on Capitol Hill for pro-life groups. And there's nothing like a personal face to put to the name on, on a piece of paper that says, um, you know, I this group has been targeted by the IRS for harassment. Nothing like actually hearing the voice of somebody who had to listen to the IRS agent on the phone, telling <laughs> you that you needed to sign a paper saying you wouldn't pick at Planned Parenthood. Now, I remember. Um, I think that comes as a huge shock to the country because not just as myself, because I when I listen to uh, Congressman Shocks, uh, was it him? No, I'm sorry. Uh, let me let me correct that. Because Harry, not I'm sorry. Gosh, Grassley, Senator Grassley. <laughs> I'll get it out in just a minute. Sure. Yes, Senator Grassley, Grassley had also. Yeah, Chuck Grassley had also. They have had Senate hearings on the IRS uh, as well. And there and right. there's a particular video that he is in, and there are two men standing behind him. I can only guess that they're kind of their his his. AIDS, and when he read right. that portion that pertained to the Iowa uh, Co- Coalition for Life of Iowa, you could see their faces. You could see their jaws drop <laughs> on the floor. Really, when he said, got to that point where he said that that you had been sent a letter, or not, you had been told that you had to sign a letter saying you couldn't, you would not picket Planned Parenthood, naming Planned Parenthood specifically. The look Mm -hmm. on their faces, it was caught on the video, was priceless. So I think, you know, have you gone any more public with what has happened to you other than to the Thomas More Law Society?
8: Well, uh, when we actually had it happen to us, Thomas More Society did release a press release at that time although it was not picked up by very many. That was back in 2009. Mm -hmm. Right Now, um, on this go-round, they actually released a press release and then we started getting media calls and done some interviews and um, we sent out our press release then. So, that's kind of how uh, it's unfolded. I did talk to Um, Charles Grassley's office uh, to two of his
0: um, aides
8: and he actually, I'm very proud to say he's my representative so praise the Lord that's right
3: (laughs) (laughs) well um, let me ask my co-host Thomas or Melissa, do you have any questions for our guests?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just baffled as I'm listening to this information unfolding. And, I mean, I wish that um, – I just – I can't believe what's going on before our very eyes. Um, um, and just to hear the information, um, it just confirms what we've known um, and that our religious liberties are under attack in this country and that as Christians we need to wake up to this reality and we need to fight this. Um I was just wondering, um, I know that I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but were you ever at any point contacted by the ACLU to to represent you or to stand up for you, being that they are uh, supposedly the voice of uh, liberty and freedom and and defending civil rights in this country?
0: Wow.
8: (laughs) No, I'm just (laughs) – We actually um, just contacted Thomas Moore Society, and we, okay, I got all the help we needed, and our our application went through, and we were just so yeah. very happy at that point because it really has helped us to be more successful, because it actually uh, allows people who would like to donate to us to claim it on their taxes. So people would prefer to do that when they're donating. And mm-hmm. um, as as a general rule, just being able to put the 501c3 uh, behind our, our coalition's name, it's sort of a status thing. And, you know, we, we worked really hard to get it. And so we're proud to say that we do have it. So it mm-hmm. actually, um, if they would have stopped us from getting it, it would have somewhat contributed to some
2: of our um, fundraising efforts. Mhm, absolutely, and I think that that's what the plan was is you know obviously to to deter um conservative groups from being able to raise the funds they need to remain operable i think that's it's a very strategic uh plan right mm. it it does seem a little bit um.
8: Suspicious that this administration Is so supportive of Planned Parenthood And mm-hmm. then Specifically to us They requested That we Would not picket or protest there Like they were wow. sort of Standing up for Planned Parenthood it's
3: completely Inappropriate Completely inappropriate uh, wow. and it's, I mean to name Planned Parenthood but Specifically So I mean I guess if you Played along with this it would be perfectly justifiable to picket some other abortion clinic, and not right. Planned Parenthood. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we wanted to take it to that that absurd end, I mean, we could play this game too. Uh, but obviously, this was not a very well thought out request by them, and and it was, I think, it it smacks more of. I mean, we use the word harassment several times, but it smacks more of a, a kind of a, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Than, uh-huh, uh, than it is uh, let's see if you're really a legitimate organization. Th- those are not appropriate questions whatsoever. And I think with the other groups, too, like the one out in California uh, that had to submit, I mean, they were asked to submit samples of their posters. And I think that that really does cross the line, not only on a First Amendment rights level, but on a just a, 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 an appropriate level. They're completely inappropriate. Right. I mean, this this not only does it not matter. I mean, this is this should be pretty much a no-daw thing. I mean, where well, you're going to ask a pro-life group what kind of posters they hold up? What do you
8: think they hold up? <laughs> yeah, um, so, right. <laughs> and I believe you know, and when we, we were asked that also. I believe we we um,
3: oh, were you somewhere?
8: I believe we were also. Wow. But we, we our group, the reason we're there, it's not really so much to picket and protest. When we go to Planned Parenthood, it's to pray.
6: It's we really
8: want an end abortion. And so we're praying because, you know, it just seems sometimes like we're just um, fighting, fighting, uh, you know, we're going in an uphill battle. And so we know that there's a lot of power in prayer. So that's why we're there. You know, it's not... Necessarily for any particular reason, but while we're there praying, we also are witnessing, and we also have signs. But we don't have the graphic signs.
6: We mm-hmm. we have,
8: um, for example, the one that I wear all the time says, uh, "Women deserve better than abortion." Uh, and we have signs to say, "Men regret lost fatherhood." Right. Uh, another guy wears one that says, "Choose life. Your baby loves you." You know, we're we're positive, we're we're supportive, we're loving. You know, it's not about being in anyone's face, and the only reason why we're anti-Planned Parenthood is because they're doing abortions. They're the largest abortion provider in the United States, so
2: that's why we're there. We want to stop abortion. That's
8: the whole thing. Right. right.
2: You know, and and I, speaking of Planned Parenthood, um, you know, they are receiving millions of dollars in taxpayer funding. That comes it's from our ours. pocketbook. You guys are yeah. not yeah. asking for a dime from our from our government. You guys were just ask, asking for legitimate uh, a status as a five hundred one c three organization so that you could receive um, uh, uh, donations that could be tax refunds or tax deductible. You weren't asking them for money. You know, it's just it's right. ridiculous. But so Planned Parenthood gets. Showered with our money, money. and there's no questions about the material they give out or or distribute or anything that they do.
8: Right, right. One other thing about uh, yes, and not only in the U.S., we're also paying for abortions outside of the United States Uh through Planned Parenthood. Uh Which is just it's just crazy, you know, with the way that our um, our debt is. Why are we doing that? It's crazy. But that was one of the first things that President Obama did when he got into office. That's right. That's right.
3: You're right about that,
8: and not about not enough people know. I mean, people know, but they are
3: not cognizant of the of the Mexico City policy that has mm-hmm. flip flopped with each administration that has right. come into has come into the White House. Right. Every Democrat president. I think we were <laughs> talking about since Reagan. I'm not a lot of Um Has reversed what the previous Republican administration has enacted. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes. So I mean, this is a difference between night and day as far as uh-huh. as the, the administration's attitudes and support toward abortion. And and you know I'm, I'm very disappointed. I know I'm taking us off on a little bit of a tangent, but I'm very disappointed that even such an ideologi- ideologically left president would be uh, he would be so open openly supportive of planned parenthood right over and, he... above, over and above all the other things that that are in this country i mean this is one yes. sacred cow that won't die <laughs> <laughs>
8: Well, I hope not, because, you know, it's it's just so ironic that um, even with the Gosnell hearings, you know, he didn't want to lose his life, but it was okay for him to kill all these babies. This is crazy. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. And, you know, now we've had more than 50 million babies aborted. 50 million babies aborted. And, you know, we that would be yeah. a lot of taxpayers. That would really be helping our debt yeah. if we had 50 right. oh, we million that point, a lot more people. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. We have made that point more than once on this show that uh, a lot of our economic woes could be offset if abortion were not legal. I mean, we're talking about speculation at this point, but the numbers don't lie. 50, and it's more like 55 to 57 million individuals killed by abortion. And, I mean, the difference it would make in this country as far as the liberals want to talk about Social Security and Medicare and supporting and collectivism, if they wanted that system to work, you need the numbers. And we just don't have the numbers. Right.
0: Hey,
4: Leticia. Um, Yes. Leticia. Yes. Let me. me jump in. Let's jump in that. here for a minute um, yeah let me jump let me jump in here for a minute and and share something with you all and I want you to wrap your mind around this for a minute the the fifty five million babies aborted that that number is just chemical and surgical abortion procedures. I've seen a website which I cannot recall. Off the top of my head, at this moment, that um, that at this point, if you count the mo- morning-after pill, and we're talking here in America, that there has potentially been closer to eight hundred million total abortions. What? Eight hundred million? eight hundred million and I forget the website off the top of my head but I'll find I'll find it for our next show so that you can go to that. When I was looking at those numbers I'm like, whoa because they were counting they were counting the number of girls who cut the morning after pill because I guess there's a way to track that, which I didn't know but that's the power of technology. And so um yeah, so I just wanna throw that out there at at everyone just to let just to let you guys know the numbers are much higher. Even even the surgical abortion numbers, the fifty five million, that's just an estimate. I would I would um I would wager I guess that that number may be closer to 60 or 70 maybe even 80 million and that's here in this country
3: right right yeah there's no telling how many abortions have happened that have gone off the record yeah um but i want i want to thank our guest sue Martinez from the coalition for life of iowa if um if our other two if my other two co-hosts don't have any other questions (laughs)
2: Our students have anything else to add? Just great interview, great information, and and keep fighting the fight, and we stand behind you.
4: Oh, I appreciate
2: that.
8: (laughs) I'll just say um, one more thing before I sign off, though, that uh, if we would have signed that letter and we would have not been uh, able to go over to Planned Parenthood, we actually... um, would not have been able to participate in, we have a March for Life each year that we walk down Mm -hmm. and and pray. And we also participate in the 40 Days for Life campaigns. So as a result of that, we believe that um, we've been able to help to lower abortion numbers. And uh, in the last three years, locally, they've been down 37%. And this is a fact. Wow, this, we have that's it on our awesome. website. Yeah, we have, yeah. Praise so pr- yes, praise the Lord. Um we the abortions have gone down locally thirty seven percent the last three years.
3: That is a praise Jesus moment. That is awesome. Yes it
8: is. Yes it is. Very wow. good. Yeah, so we're gonna so keep you know, praying, I mean, we're gonna be out there and we're gonna keep praying.
3: God bless you, we are with you. Um I I mean we are <laughs> I mean I'm in, involved in the Coalition for Life here in St. Louis and you know Melissa will be telling that yeah. maybe out there for 40 days
2: of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would so love to that.
3: That would be so that would be that would be wonderful to see. Um you know down it yeah.
2: where she lives.
3: Um and we yeah, are all you know we're all forming
2: our Charlotte Coalition for Life here so we're still in the building phases of that. So we're excited about that as well.
3: Wonderful. Yes, so we are all in this together. We are, and and you know, the theme for you know this show—we call it a show—but we are talking about this. Is how we are. We are fighting a more united front. Um, we're trying to find a more united, being a more united front than we have been so far. It is. It is imperative that we link hands across this country, uh, because that is the only way. I believe that abortion is ever going to be. Um. Banned. We're, I mean, I don't care what age it is. We're starting and on one end. We will burn that candle from both ends until there is nothing left. That's as far as I'm concerned.
6: You know, That's whether
3: right. it goes out all at once or we take it down a piece by a piece at a time, it is going down. And it, but it requires all of us
8: to well, to come you know together. You've probably heard this quote: "The only way that evil will prevail is if the good people do nothing."
4: That's, That's right.
8: right. And also, we know right. we're going to win. We're going. We know we're going to win this fight because God's on our side. It's just we don't know when. But I'm not going to quit, and we're not going to quit. We're going to just keep on fighting, and we're going to keep on praying. Come on. All right. Thank yeah. you
3: so much, Sue Martinuk from the Coalition for Life of Iowa. Thank you so much for being on the Pro Life Friday Show. Thank you. Take care. All right. Take care. Tough Good night.
8: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Bye. And you know, she raised a great she raised a great issue. I mean, funny how this turns out, the what we're talking about ends up coming back with our guests and, and you know that that if they had they had asked her about the graphics um why not what kind of posters they put out on the sidewalk. And Coalition for Life is not known for using uh pictures or photos or posters of aborted fetuses, and for good reason. I am in total agreement with not using actual photos of aborted fetuses when you're standing right in front of a Planned Parenthood. And so I I, I would have, I mean, I, I thought that it was so timely since we were just, I threw that out there. It, it became an issue um, where people are disagreeing whether or not these type of posters should be shown in public and where. I'm in favor of showing them places other than in front of the Planned Parenthood or the abortion clinic. I I want college campuses to see the horror of abortion, college students, because college students comprise the majority of women who obtain abortions, those that are in college age. I would love them to be seen at other public venues, people who want to rant and rave about, oh, there's children around. Well, you know what? Your children see a lot of graphic things on television, too. And, you know, if the left is coming around trying to say, well, you
0: need,
3: if that's, that's perfectly acceptable as freedom of speech, um, then I can use the same arguments. Now, if you don't take that argument, uh, we can have a discussion on whether or not certain public venues are are or are not appropriate. But everywhere, and this is my position, everywhere Emmett Phil's photos were published in America, I think is an appropriate place for the photos of aborted children because people need to see it everywhere where it was appropriate to publish the Duke University uh, police shooting back in the 60s that that led to the anti-war movement. I think that was appropriate. Whenever we've had people publish photos of our soldiers killed overseas, what are they doing when they do that? They are trying to elicit the rea- an, uh, an acknowledgement, a public acknowledgement of the reality that our soldiers face. If we hide those images and we never acknowledge the truth, now we can have our opinions about war, whatever it is, but if we hide those images in an attempt to make whatever point you're trying to make, whether it's, it should be more palatable to the to the public, or whether or not um, you know people need to be fired up about about marching against abortion or against war or whatever, it is a reality that nobody can avoid. I mean, I, I just don't see how it's avoidable. I, I will tell you. I will tell you this. When I was, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly what age I was, but I was not. I was younger than ten. I was much younger mm-hmm. than ten. And every year, um, our, the Arizona State Fair would come into town. My parents. This is this was our you know a poor man's vacation for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> was to go visit the Arizona State Fair um, with my parents. <clears throat> so. My mom and my dad really loved to go to the big, the big coliseum room where they had all the vendors. So you had you had the pretzel makers, you had the widget sellers, you had you know all those all those gadgets. And we loved to watch that. And I would walk around, and there was always a booth. And several years in a row, I would see this booth tucked in the corner, but it was there amongst everyone else—a booth with posters not large posters but but presentation posters and flyers and on those flyers it was a pro life table and it was it was trying to tell people about the horrors of abortion and on those flyers were photos of aborted fetuses and i was younger than 10 and i would walk up to the table i did not freak out I didn't cry, I didn't scream. I wasn't scared. I didn't cry for my mommy. I didn't cry for my daddy. I didn't make a big deal. I looked at them. I was not I did not have nightmares. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't scary. But I did take those flyers home, and what I realized when I read those flyers, even at whatever age I could read, <laughs> I what how that affected me was that I realized the fragility of life that, yes, Mm. children inside the womb were being developed. They had arms and legs, and it was so easy to kill somebody so small.
0: Mm.
3: And, you know, I I did not have at that age, I didn't have, well, I'm pro-life, I'm against abortion, because I didn't really understand that's what abortion was. I just understood that it's easy to that somebody so small, a baby so small, can be killed. Yeah. And and you know you have body parts and everything. I didn't understand that this was a legal procedure in the United States. Women can kill their unborn babies, you know, through depending on where you live, through nine months of gestation. I didn't connect that to the practice of abortion. But I I realized that the photos brought to me human life discarded, and I thought that's a tragedy. I mean, that is, mm-hmm. you know, we're di- people are dying. This is a person, and this person died. So that, mm-hmm. and this is the photo of a dead baby, and how easily we can all die. I mean, he, how easily it is to kill a child so small. So I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. until I was grown up later that I understood. I connected what that what that booth was for It was about alerting people people. To the humanity of of the fetus being killed by abortion, but at the time, mm-hmm. I, so people who are want to say you don't freak out, kids, your child may not freak out. Your child may just have be a more informed child coming out of it on the other end.
8: Right. Amen. So, um, Amen.
3: you know, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to tell people that was my experience. Um, if we don't have, do either of you have any other commentary you want to offer? Because I've got a really great thing coming
2: up. I don't. Just, it's such a great show. I'm so glad that we. I I, I love how from week to week we are um, on the up and up of uh, the issues that are coming out, um, and how we are are getting the inside information and getting it out to people so that they can respond accordingly so that we can all be informed. So, I mean, I just was uh, blown away by the show. Yes, I loved how Good. our
3: guests were talking about their they're pers- their personally involved.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I did
3: try to get – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Thomas.
4: You said that you're um, – Melissa, you said you're blown away. Did you have your wind sails open, and did you have <laughs> – little? Did you have little Eliana in, um, in her harness as you was going for a flight in your wind sail? <laughs>
2: that would be a sight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite a sight.
3: I would love to see a picture. Yeah. If you If you go out there when the 40 Days of Life starts and you snap a picture of you and her outside,
2: Oh and yeah, she she actually came out with me um a few Saturdays ago. Um awesome. it was a little cold school, so I I kinda kept her bundled up in the car. Um but now that the weather's warmer, um she would definitely be out there with me on a regular basis. So getting her started early. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's
3: wonderful. I, I think that's wonderful. Um I want to set up this next video. Um it is it is Doctor oh shoot, I close that window. It is Dr. Leventino, and if you guys haven't heard of him, he, it was a new story today. He testified either today, yesterday, or very recently on the issue of abortion, and he himself was an abortionist for uh, about three to four years. He had a total change of heart about abortion, having performed I think the number was over 1,200 abortions during his time As an abortionist
8: And
4: Leticia, he Yes Didn't we interview this doctor?
3: We interviewed this well, doctor? Yeah, didn't we interview this guy? Levantino I don't believe we have but, Not to uh, my
2: knowledge
4: Yes, yes I think I we did we Oh, you know what, Wrong Show. Uh, that was you, <laughs> show, that entered. Yeah. Well, oh, so it is. We, well, need we ought to,
3: to play to... a clip yeah. from that. Well, we'll try to find a clip from that. But this video is from him. He is testifying in front of Congress. And he describes in some detail, so I always tell our audience in some graphic detail, um, his the way that an abortion, especially an abortion that occurs after 20 weeks, happens and he was urging Congress and he is working with he was urging Congress on the behalf of Representative Trent Franks to introduce a federal bill banning abortions over 20 weeks. And um we can we can talk about the nature of this 20 week cutoff if you want, but I want to play this so that our audience here we won't have much time after that. So uh let's get on with it. Here we go.
6: Good morning. Um, Chairman Franks and distinguished members of the subcommittee, thank you for inviting me. My name is Anthony Levitino. I'm a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist. I have served in both academic and uh, clinical settings. Currently I practice in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, I've been, a board, I've been uh, an obstetrician-gynecologist for 33 years, and the early part of my career I performed over 1,200 abortions, over 100 of them in the second trimester, up to 24 weeks of gestation. Imagine if you can that uh, you're an obstetrician gynecologist and a pro-choice obstetrician gynecologist like I was, and your patient today is 17 years old. She's 24 weeks pregnant from last period. Her uterus is two finger breasts above her umbilicus. She's been feeling her baby kick for over a month. She's asleep on an operating room table, and you're there to help her with her problem. The first thing you do is uh, withdraw the laminaria that was placed in the cervix. The dilation uh, of the cervix that's required for a D&E abortion at that level takes at least 36 hours. Later abortions can, dilation of the cervix, can necessitate almost three days of preparation prior to performance of the procedure. First thing you're going to reach is for a suction catheter. This is a 14 French suction catheter. It's about nine, ten inches long. It's about three-quarters of an inch in diameter. And picture yourself, if you can, placing this through the cervix and instructing your circulating nurse to turn on the suction machine. What you'll see is pale yellow fluid running through this into the suction bottles of the machine. That was the amniotic fluid that was there to protect the baby. If this was a first trimester abortion, when her child would be that size or smaller, you could essentially do the entire abortion with this one instrument. A twenty-four-week baby that we're describing here from last period is the length of your hand and a half again, from head to rump, not counting the legs. Babies that size don't fit through catheters this size. When you're done, reach for a sofa clamp. This is one that I brought along so you could see what we're talking about. It's about 13 inches long, it's stainless steel. The business end on this clamp is about half inch wide and about two and a half inches long. And there are rows of sharp teeth on this instrument. It's a grasping instrument, and when it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A second trimester abortion at that stage is a blind procedure. You can't really see anything. Everything has to be done by feel. Picture yourself, if you can, reaching in with this instrument and grasping blindly anything you can, and pull hard, and when it finally pops free, out comes a leg that big, which you put down on the table next to you, and reach in with this again, and grasp, and pull hard out comes an arm about the same length which you cut down on the table next to you. And reach in with this instrument again and again and tear out the spine, the intestines, heart and lungs. head of the baby about that age is maybe the size of a large plum. Again, the procedure is blind. You reach in, being careful not to perforate the uterus, and you have a pretty good idea you have it if you have your Clamp around something, and your arms, your fingers are spread about as far as they will go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the clamp, and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you can pull out skull pieces. If you had a day like I had, a lot of days. Sometimes a face comes back and stares back at you.
3: Okay, that's about all that I'm going to go. He goes on because this is a longer, this is a longer clip he goes on to talk about how the argument for a late-term abortion um, is very null and void because he's had patients whose lives he had to save, women whose lives he had to save, and they, he saved their lives not through abortion, but by delivering children early. And he goes on to say that abortion would not have helped in one in one case in particular, because a late term abortion requires is a three day procedure, and in three days, that woman didn't have three days so she, uh-huh. what a doctor did, what this doctor did was save her life by delivering the baby, saving both mother and child's life. And so what he's saying here is he's never encountered a situation where he's had to claim the life of the child in order to save the life of the mother. He's helping Trent Franks. He's testifying before Congress to introduce a bill to ban abortion after 20 weeks. Um, And he ends by saying, quoting President Obama, saying, if we just saved one child, is that not worth it? I
0: hope and
3: I pray that Congress is moved by his testimony that a bill like this can go forward. And we have a special yeah. treat. I hope we have this a lot more often. We have a, a caller from, you're from St. Louis, right? No. Where are you calling uh, it
5: from, yeah. Scott?
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> hey, guys. You know what, Thomas, great show, my friend. Uh it, I was very very impressed with Aaron Shock. I, I I knew I would be. He's a great representative, and he's he's a great speaker, um, but to have him come on and, and talk about this current event, that it was great. And Susan also, very. It was just a great show, my friend. Proud of you, my friend. Thank I you. I can't take credit for that. That was all Letitia. No, that it's all that's, all that. that's why I said thank, thank you. you. You know me, Thomas. I don't get a chance very often to listen live. I, I go back a, a lot often than listen in archive. Um but it just so happened to sit down and I just so happened to see it and it just opened it up and I've been actually staying still, Thomas, for almost the entire show. Just laying there on the couch listening. I don't ever get to do that. Um but it was it, the show rocked, Thomas, and just letting you know, my friend.
4: Well, like I said, um I'm kind of I'm kind of the silent assassin, if you will. Patricia is the one that secures secures um, the guests, and she's the heart of the show, along with Melissa. And I'm just kind of the silent assassin, if you will. Except when I have to do
5: monologue. So,
3: there
4: you go. Yeah,
5: thank yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. so
3: much for the compliment.
5: No problem. In that last <laughs> well, audio. That, that description, um, that's powerful, and we don't we don't we don't hear that argument against abortion very often, and it's a good one. So thanks a lot, guys. You have a good evening.
3: Thank God you for calling in. in. Yeah. yeah. See you next time. All right, everybody. We have about fifty seconds left in the show. Any last parting words before I hit the music and say good night?
4: Yep, I this, got one, and that is uh, this. Go ahead,
2: Melissa. I was going to say it was just good to be with you guys again. As always.
4: It's good to have you back. And my statement is this. It's a question. Sorry. No, it's fine. We'll end it. We'll catch it next. All
3: right. I can't... Somehow I lost volume control on this So have a good night everybody
2: Good night everyone
3: Alright you have been night, looking for Life Fridays
2: Good night God bless, God. God bless everyone Bye Bye
5: open light, put your hands up side by side. Age don't matter, like
1: race, don't matter, like place, don't matter like what's inside. It's a kick, drum, kick one time. Breathe out, let your mind unwind, eyes on the ceiling, looking for the f- we